0: this episode is part of the series know your candidates conversations with city council and mayoral candidates for the election of 2017 in the city of holyoke massachusetts the radio plasma podcast does not support or oppose any candidate for public office this is a nonpartisan, independent media outlet dedicated to promoting a peace culture embrace diversity Conversations, sharing of opinions and ideas, and ensure diverse voices are represented in our media. Welcome to the Radio Plasma podcast, a space dedicated to the exchange of ideas. Conversations, stories, music, performances, and randomness. Listen at radioplasma.com. Also, we are available on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, TuneIn, and Stitcher. I'm your producer and host, Johan Vega. And this is our series, Know Your Candidates, conversations with the candidates for the 2017 election in the city of Holyoke, Massachusetts. Today, I want to welcome Alex Morse, current mayor of the city of Holyoke, running for re-election. Welcome, and thank you for being here today with us.
1: Good morning, Johan, and thank you for having me.
0: So you are running for
1: your fourth term. It's
0: been an interesting period of time with a lot of changes, a lot of challenges, Mm-hmm. And the work continues. So we want to have this opportunity to know more about what has been your experience so far as mayor and what are the plans for your next term should be reelected.
1: Yeah. Well, first, thank you for the opportunity to talk about all the work we've done over the last six years and where we want to go in the next uh, four years. And also thank you for interviewing other candidates for office as well. I think there's no greater effort than to make sure the voters are educated in anticipation of the November uh, 7th election. You know, it's been the honor and privilege of a lifetime to be the city's mayor over the last uh, six years. As many people know, this is my hometown. It's where I went uh, through the public schools, um, had a wonderful opportunity to go into college, and and chose to come back to Holyoke to give back to to my community and work hand in hand with the residents here to make our city. A better place and I've been excited over the last several weeks and look forward to in the weeks to come before the election to continue talking about the progress we've made over the last six years Uh, you know whether it's uh, reducing crime to historic uh, lows in our community bringing record levels of private and public investment uh, into the city Uh, more students graduating from high school um, you know over the last uh, six years uh, than in decades but most importantly I think it's been instilling a sense of pride and ownership in our community, it's been wonderful to see new faces uh, emerge uh, in in local government. And I think one of the things our team is most proud of is opening up the doors of City Hall to all people, uh, not just individuals from one spectrum of the city or one demographic, but making and sending a message that all people, no matter what you look like, what language you speak or what neighborhood you live in, have access to city government. And despite the fact that we've made a lot of progress over the last six years, I'm running for a fourth term and the first four-year term because we also recognize that we have more work and more challenges to do, and we want to continue rolling our sleeves up to get the job done. So uh, I'm looking forward to talking about our record and laying out our vision for the next four years to continue moving Holyoke in a positive direction.
0: When did you felt that you wanted to be a leader, that you wanted to be a mayor the city of Holyoke because knowing your experience through schools and your involvement with different activities during the school time you were pretty much shaping yourself into being the leader and I remember uh, a narrative through the um, Enchanted Circle Theater that you actually were playing a role of the mayor at some point.
1: Yeah, that was uh, and Priscilla Kane Helwig talks often about that, and that was a a great memory of mine. I went to Morgan Elementary for for elementary school, and in the third grade, um, we did a we did a play about a group of students that were going to ask the mayor to build a pra- a, a playground uh, in their in their city. And I, as a third grader, played the role of a mayor. And so, I give Priscilla and Enchanted Circle Theater all the credit in the world for um, instilling that idea in my head in the first place. But uh, all jokes aside, I was. Um, in my early teenage years, around 13 years old, when I had the opportunity and heard over the intercom as a student at Peck that there was an opportunity to join the Holyoke Youth Commission. And I joined the Youth Commission and I stayed through it um, until I headed off to, to Brown University. And that was my first experience with government and politics and civic engagement as both a middle schooler and a high school student, to be able to meet with the mayor on a regular basis, to, to work with other young people that had different life experiences uh, from my own and working together for the common good and to make a difference in the city. And so uh, with that experience, uh, other things I did uh, while a student at Holyoke High School, uh, the founder and president of the Gay-Straight Alliance, a uh, student representative on the Holyoke School Committee, I really felt that the way I wanted to make a difference, and it's not the choice for everyone, is to is to run for office and be part of the, the solutions and, and see common ground to make a difference in our community. And while at college... You know, I watched so many classmates and friends avoid going back to their hometown as much as they could. Uh, yet me, on the other hand, I, I couldn't go back to Holyoke enough. It's a city that I loved, it's a city I grew up in. And after graduation, I didn't hesitate to come back to the city that I, uh, I love so much that I knew had so much potential. So uh, for me, I, I wanted to run for office. And as you can imagine, I announced when I was 21 years old Uh, six years ago and you know many folks said that our campaign wasn't possible Um, but we we knocked on doors we talked directly to voters and um, here we are six years later and we're very proud of our record
0: one aspect that is the foundation of many many of the residents in the city of Holyoke it is the public school system that has shaped and gave many of the residents in the city the opportunities to become professionals, to become who they are today. Currently, we completed two years of being on the receivership, Mm -hmm. and this has been a good opportunity to recognize and also to start shaping a new model for the school systems. What do you think it could be the next steps to take with the receivership and the goals for the school systems to to improve and to possibly reemerge as a new model that could be exemplar for other other cities.
1: Yeah, there is no greater issue than to improve our our public schools. I, you know, as I've mentioned many times, I'm a product of our public schools and public education, and I know I wouldn't be here today if it wasn't for the teachers I had and the education I received in the in the Holyoke public schools. And every student deserves that opportunity and that right to a good public education. And unfortunately, that's not happening for every student in our city, and we won't rest until every student has an opportunity to get a good public education. You know, obviously, we have a lot of challenges uh, in our community, uh, poverty, uh, homelessness, um, other issues that affect the lives of our students outside of school. But I also believe in the power of public education, that public education is our society's biggest equalizer, uh, that we can't give up on, on poor kids and kids of color. Based on where they come from and what lives they live, uh, we should be giving all students a great public education. And I can't accept a system where so many students have continued to fall through the cracks. Uh, and and I am the first to admit that we have uh, challenges that lie ahead. We still have a lot more uh, work to do. But I think over the last two years, and really over the last six years, we've tried to identify the systems that need uh, fixing. You know, public education is a is a topic that can't. Um, you know we can't get everything we want overnight. We have to establish new systems. But most importantly, we have to be honest about where we are and and where we want to go. What I've been proud to see most recently is the development of new programs that create a pathway for every student, recognizing that you know students shouldn't be defined solely by their test scores, uh, and not all student learns uh, the same way or wants the same thing uh, for their life, and so. We're focusing on a pathway for all students. You know, examples like the dual enrollment at Holyoke High School in secondary education. For the first time, we have students that can take classes at Holyoke Community College, UMass Amherst, and Westfield State. Some students having the possibility of earning an associate's degree by the time they they graduate uh, from high school, and I mean that's an opportunity I wish I had when I was um, at uh, Holyoke High School. Uh, the preschool expansion, you know, we, we have uh, many more seats for uh, pre-kindergarten than we we did before. Full day at a lot of schools. Uh, the development and expansion of the dual language program. So we have young people as uh, in preschool, kindergarten, and first grade. And we'll continue to expand that. Kids learning both English and Spanish. Uh, we know the importance of uh, being bilingual, both here in Holyoke, but also as a, as a, as a citizen uh, of the world. And so we're developing new programs in the district that make the public schools uh, better. And our goal is to make the public schools the, the school district of choice for all of our families. Um, you know, too many families you know, sending their kids to schools other than uh, the public schools and they have the right to do so. So the onus is on us to improve our public schools to make sure that when parents think about where they want to send their kids, they think about the public schools first.
0: So when, we, when we're when we talking about the receivership right now, it is Dr. Schrag, the one who has the control of the management of the schools. To what point as a mayor you can help provide, suggest, infuse Changes or specific goals, being the status of the city on receivership.
1: Yeah, I think I've had an active role in the in the changes and improvements in the public schools since my first day in office six years ago. And Dr. Reich and I and his team have a have a great partnership. Uh, And one can't happen without the other. And so we're in constant communication, uh, be it with Dr. Reich or members of his uh, administration at the school department. I still am chair of the Holyoke School Committee. Uh, And as mayor, you know, when it comes to things like capital improvements for the schools, uh, funding for public education and projects within the schools, those require our involvement. Uh, So, right now, for example, our administration is pursuing two brand new middle schools in the city of Holyoke. And I'm the only candidate at this moment to support the construction of two brand new middle schools uh, in our city grades six, seventh, and eighth to get back to that configuration. Because all middle school students deserve equal access to the same tools be it science laboratories or arts education. Programming like that that creates a well-rounded education that isn't just focused on uh, their score on a, on a standardized test. Um, so we work hand-in-hand on those improvements. Uh, right now, for example, we're doing uh, work around secondary redesign. We were the recipient of a, of a grant uh, from the Barr Foundation in Boston to study models of high schools, not just across the country, but across the world. So we had a group of students, parents, educators, uh, travel To research and uh, find out what other cities and communities are doing and how do we implement that here in Holyoke and so we are exploring four different academies uh, for our high school students and those are the type of things that when students feel what they're learning or experiencing in high school has a connection to what they're what they will be doing after they're more likely to stay in school stay engaged uh, and become productive members of our community
0: this is definitely a conversation that needs follow-up as the public needs to be updated about the four academies for the secondary design, but that will be a topic for another conversation in, a, in another time. Mm. Let's move now into a topic that has been possibly one of the most uh, controversial during this year because of the, the events that transpired during January 1st. More in particular, the brownouts have been possibly one of the most top issues in the city. So. Let's dedicate some time to this, and what is the overall situation with the brownout? Uh, what is the point of view of taking these measures in terms of budget, but at the same mm-hmm. time keeping in mind the safety of the, of the community?
1: Yeah, and I just want to start off by saying there is an incredibly false narrative that's being pushed by my opponent in regards to the fire department in an effort to scare Holyoke residents and to gain votes. Uh, and frankly, I think it's disgusting that one would intentionally scare Holyoke residents in order to make a political gain. Uh, I'm the mayor of the city of Holyoke, and I took an oath of office to protect Holyoke residents no matter what. And we've we've done just that. And so my message, and I want to be very clear on this, is that Holyoke residents are safe. Uh, we have a plan in place that provides effective, efficient fire coverage to all residents of the city, no matter what neighborhood uh, you live in, and the chief and I would never make a decision that would put Holyokers in harm's way. And so I want to get that point out of the way first and foremost. Uh, Second of all, let me be clear about my record in the the fire department. Over the last six years, we haven't laid off a single firefighter or a single police officer. It's been the opposite. We've been aggressive in securing millions of dollars in federal grants to hire uh, more firefighters. Uh, when i first took office my first uh, bond request to the council was 1.5 million dollars to purchase three brand new fire uh, trucks in the city something that haven't hadn't happened since the 90s we recently spent an additional 1.5 million dollars on a new radio communication system so for, th- for the first time in our city's history our police our fire and our department of public works employees are on the same uh, radio system which enhances public safety for our holyoke residents uh, we've also been innovative and, and, and proactive. I mean, when we talk about the the fire that happened on, on New Year's Day, within hours we had individuals in our community that wanted wanted to politicize the deaths of three Holyoke residents. And for me, that is just unacceptable. You know, we've seen the marshals' fire reports. We've seen the state reports. The city did everything it could to prevent uh, deaths in, the, in that case. Uh, and we've seen and we've worked with uh, the building owner of that building that failed uh, to respond to the alarm company. So there was no functioning alarm on that day. Uh, and you know it took upwards of 10 minutes for the fire department to get a call. Uh, and I commend the men and women of the fire department for the response that day. They saved lives. They're getting recognized for it. And I have nothing but respect for the men and women of the Holyoke Fire Department. But what I can't Uh, Except uh, is my opponent continuing to say that people are at risk because of our plan. Our fire chief, John Pond, has been a firefighting professional for over two decades. He has presented a redistribution plan that better utilizes the fire department assets and resources, and that's been effective, and we've been able to To present that plan uh, throughout the city uh, as well and so uh, again i'm looking forward to having this conversation Uh, it's something that i'm very confident about and something that i won't shy away from
0: and this is essentially the the most important aspect to know that you are open and willing to continue talking about this because i believe it's and not necessarily because of the the recent narrative but i believe overall there is a a lot of confusion and misunderstanding about how this works and how this should Mm -hmm. be and how it is addressed. And I believe by continuing these conversations, we can start putting more things in clear about how the process work, so that way people can understand better how decisions are made, and at least have a more informed opinion on on, on what's going on.
1: Absolutely, and I before I became mayor, and the, and the citizens of the, of the city know this. I mean, for years, the city council and mayors have struggled with how to reduce overtime costs in the, <clears throat> in the fire department and in the police department. I mean, you read article after article in the 90s and the 2000s, how do we contain overtime spending? Um, I take office and we explore ways to do that while still providing the same level of coverage and protection for the city. Uh, And so I'm willing to make those decisions that I think are best uh, for the city in collaboration with the fire chief. And the only thing that has been cut in the fire department is overtime spending, uh, upwards of the tune of $600,000 annually saving on overtime costs by adequately funding the fire department, but implementing a reorganization plan that provides equal protection to to all neighborhoods. Uh, So I'm willing to have this uh, conversation. I think my opponent thinks that We want to avoid having this conversation, but this is an important conversation. Residents should know that they're safe, that when they call for a fire, they will have adequate response, uh, effective response uh, at their door, without a doubt.
0: And that connects us with the next topic, that is the government and the transparency. Mm -hmm. It is also another, another aspect that some people perceive that some... Decisions are made behind doors or are made without consulting or making it public or that are doubtful decisions. For example, some contracts, in particular with the towing the towing companies. How could you present your transparency in your government and make people feel comfortable knowing that everything is done according to what it should be by law?
1: Yeah, I think... Um You know, transparency and inclusion have been at the heart of my administration. We've never shied away from answering any questions or being transparent about why we make the decisions uh, we make. You know, listen, we have a a democratic government, right? So we elect our leaders to use their best judgment to make decisions that are best for the city. Um, And so whether it's towing or whether it's health insurance or whether it's, you know, what's happening in City Hall or, uh, any decisions. I mean, we, we make hundreds of decisions a week, right? Uh, and so, and we're elected to make those, uh, those tough decisions. Uh, I'm proud of the fact that we've engaged new residents in our boards and commissions, and so we have Holyoke residents that, uh, for the first time in their lives, are a member of the Conservation Commission, or the Planning Board, or the Community Advisory Council. And when I took office... Um, and nothing against those folks that have been on those commissions for decades but we tried to diversify those commissions and so today we have you know more women more people of color more young people on our public boards and commissions than ever before in Holyoke history and that's what i promised that we would be more transparent that our government and our city employees and our volunteers uh, would would look like the residents that that we serve, and so you know we're excited about uh, that aspect of our progress uh, over the last uh, six years. Uh, we've brought new people uh, into City Hall. I have built relationships with residents of all neighborhoods. Uh, I enjoy walking around, knocking on doors, having town hall forums. Uh, I will talk to anybody uh, in any location about their concerns about their thoughts uh, about their ideas Uh, and I think residents have recognized that over the last six years
0: another aspect of the concerns in the community is safety we already covered the issues with the fire department but now safety about policing so let's talk a little bit about this Uh, maybe starting a little bit with the policing, how how some people feel the for example, the, the presence of the police in the lower wards, like War one and two, it feels is perceived as targeting the community in this area as compared to the highlands, or for example, the situation with uh, the raid that took place uh, a few months ago, that also community felt that it was too excessive the use of the heavy heavy weaponry and, and assault rifles. So this gives a little bit of... Uh, Distrust or being uncomfortable with the presence of the police what what are your thoughts about this
1: yeah i mean i would I would say that I somewhat disagree with the narrative uh, that you're you're painting, and I would say that our our major concern, the chief and I over the last six years uh, has been to implement community policing and so before we took office, there was very little concerted efforts to build relationships between our Uh, police officers and our our residents right and so whether it has been opening up different substations and neighborhoods or the mobile community policing unit which residents oftentimes ask for to be at the park in their neighborhood or to be at their uh, intersection or or near uh, their house the introduction of the canine unit uh, bolstering our narcotics unit in the city as well as our traffic unit We have a a code enforcement officer Uh, we have more uh, officers that we've hired over the last six years uh, that look like and speak the language uh, of our community of color here uh, in the city and so you know our record in the police department is one that uh, we're proud of in terms of uh, the distribution of of police resources i i oftentimes hear the opposite i get calls and i meet with folks uh, who live here in downtown or in south holyoke that want to see additional uh, police patrols that they feel sometimes when they call that the police uh, don't respond. And so that's what I'm concerned about is if somebody here in downtown or in the flats or in South Holyoke or in Churchill call the police, I want to make sure that police show up. Uh, Residents oftentimes ask, I just want to see a police officer walk by my house or drive by. I want to know that the police are in my neighborhood. Uh, I want to feel safe. Uh, And so, you know, city governments, not just Holyoke, only have so much resources, right? And so What would it mean if we had, uh, you know, four police cruisers in the Highlands and only one uh, in the downtown? I mean, we have to use data to distribute our resources. And so we have to put our uh, police presence and our resources in those neighborhoods that have a higher crime to respond to calls for service. And so if, for example, we're getting 100 calls for service in the downtown and five calls for service in other neighborhoods of the city, any rational person that is that is uh, distributing resources would decide that more resources need to go in the area where we're getting more calls, um, and so I think that's what um, has been the the governing philosophy is making sure we we, we respond to that, uh, but we also don't want anyone to feel uh, unsafe or targeted uh, by the police. Uh, I mean that's the reason the chief and I have supported um, you know not complying uh, with uh, ICE detainer requests that our police are here to uphold the public safety of our residents. They're not here to do the job of any federal immigration authority. We want people in our community to to feel safe. We want them to to tell our police officers what's happening in their neighborhood. You know, we can't solve crimes alone. Uh, And we've instilled in our officers that policing is much more than having your windshield having your windows up and air conditioning on, that it's you know parking the car, walking around, shaking people's hands, asking them about their neighborhood. Um, and I've had the opportunity to hire dozens of officers over the last six years, and we make sure that the officers we bring on board want to be part of the community. They're not, they're not there to arrest people or to ruin people's lives, but to help people. Uh, and I've been proud of that fact.
0: Will this also include the possibility to develop uh, community policing? What do you mean? It's been asked and commented, especially during the um, neighborhood association meetings, that community policing will be another asset to implement in, in order to have a better and more solid relationship.
1: Yeah, and that we're, we're doing community policing. I mean, community policing is at the heart of what we do in the police department. Community policing is building relationships between the public um, and our and our police officers. I mean, we have uh, officers that you know play basketball with kids in our city um, at the public basketball courts. They volunteer on boards of directors for things like the Boys and Girls Club. Uh, what I've found over the last six years is that our officers you know deeply care about what happens in our community, uh, and they want to make sure that people feel safe uh, in their city. But we also want to make sure when people call or they need police resources that we show up. Let's
0: uh, move now on to economic development. It's clear that Holyoke is getting new businesses. Mm -hmm. Many of them are coming from other locations. Some others are emerging from our own people and our own community. And this is a process still In work so there's still a lot of more businesses to open again some perceptions think is not enough that is not so much done about it so what is right now the plan for economic development how we can see our own businesses to improve or to remain in business and how can we attract more businesses to come to the
1: city this has to be one of the topics that we've we've seen the most excitement and the most progress over the last six years. I mean, there was a time in Holyoke and I remember this because it's one of the reasons I ran for office when it, it felt like people had given up on the downtown that, you know, people reminisce about the days when downtown Holyoke was bustling and they would go down on Thursday nights for shopping and dancing and spend time with their friends. And I've heard from so many people in our city that they feel or they felt like those days were long gone and it would be impossible uh, to reinvent our our downtown. And it won't be exactly the same, nor should it be. Uh, but I think we have had the opportunity to create uh, a downtown Holyoke for everyone. You know, We have a vision of a vibrant, densely populated downtown where different people and different cultures co-mingle to create a space where people feel safe, uh, where they can work, where they can spend time with friends and family, where they can get uh, a good education. Uh, and we see record levels of public and private investment happening in downtown Holyoke that we haven't seen uh, in decades, and you know, we spent a lot of time laying the foundation for future success. And so, whether it was the initial public investments of the phase two of the Canal Walk or the passenger train station uh, on Dwight and um, Main Street, the streetscape improvements, the lighting, the trees, the, the sidewalks—those things that we're investing in our city have now led uh, to private investment. Uh, private investment includes those things along uh, Race Street. Uh, the Cubit Building with 18 market-rate uh, apartment uh, apartments in the pipeline. The new uh, Holyoke Community College Culinary Center, the other projects in that general vicinity. Uh, we've cleaned up uh, the largest brownfield site in the city of Holyoke, the four-acre site at Parsons Paper, um, here in this neighborhood for the expansion of of Aegis Energy. Uh, we have over 400 units of housing uh, in the pipeline for downtown Holyoke. Uh, you know, be it Lyman Terrace. Uh, be it the wind development at 216 Appleton Street uh, for 100 units of mixed income uh, housing. Uh, when no one thought that private investors would come into Holyoke and invest millions of dollars, we've proven that uh, it's possible. Uh, and, of course, I'll be the first to admit that we have more work to do. I mean, what community doesn't? You know, The exciting thing about Holyoke is that we're not a finished product. You know, we're playing a role in in creating what we want to see. And there's no better opportunity than for us to work together on implementing a vision that we all want to see in our downtown.
0: By economic development also, it comes embedded with arts and culture, as we know it's happening on Ray Street. But how could we expand the development of arts and culture as part of the economic development?
1: Yeah, arts and culture has been at the heart of our of our efforts. I mean, the role of the creative economy in creating hundreds of jobs and millions millions of dollars of revenue in our community, I think and people see that. And it's certainly not just about, about Race Street, right? I mean, uh, look at what's happening with Nueva Esperanza and what's happening in the, the that area of South Holyoke on Main Street, the creation of the Puerto Rican Cultural District. I had the opportunity to go with friends to the performance of La Gringa, a group from Chicago in partnership with MIFA. You know, to be able to see a show like that on Main Street in downtown Holyoke at El Mercado, I mean, that's the epitome of art and culture. Uh, that's multicultural and inclusive uh, of different languages and cultures uh, in our city. And so, yeah, it's exciting to see new restaurants and galleries uh, and openings uh, and concerts on Ray Street, but it's also great to see it uh, on Main Street and in South Holyoke. It's wonderful to see it in uh, the area of Monte de la Rosa uh, and in our efforts to preserve Polish art and culture and heritage. Uh, it's wonderful to see it in March as we paint shamrocks on our street uh, and we see one of the largest St. Patrick's Day parades in our entire country, uh, where the Donahue Institute of UMass has said that that parade alone generates upwards of twenty million dollars to our uh, to our region. And so this isn't about one area or one culture, uh, but arts is embedded in every aspect of our society. You know, we had started the conversation talking about Enchanted Circle Theater, about arts education in the schools. Right? I mean, there's nothing better than instilling art uh, in our public schools and what was alarming to me in our initial debate in the preliminary was uh, my opponent had said that you know there's 500 other things more important to him uh, than art and the creative economy. Uh, and it's so important that art is embedded in every aspect of our community.
0: When we talk about also the arts and culture as part of our history and legacy, I'm just thinking of the progress and the openness that the Wisteria Hearst has shown lately with many different activities that have been exactly that inclusive and diverse and, and meaningful to what is our present in the city. So is there any plans or any ways that this resource, this valuable resource that is uh, the Wisteria Hearst could be another way to connect the arts, culture, community?
1: Yeah, and Wisteriahurst Museum has already begun uh, to do that. I mean, we uh, we made it a point to open up the doors and break down barriers of Wisteriahurst. Oftentimes, it was seen as a exclusive place. I mean, there's a literal fence around it. Um, so, how do we open up the doors to the community so that all people feel welcome in Wisteriahurst? I and mean, we we've now begun to host uh, really powerful events there. We did a states of incarceration. Exhibit, uh, sponsored by Wisteria Hearst Museum at the Waragon uh, space on the the Canal Walk. Um, And so for a whole month, our museum and our staff were working on conversations around mass incarceration and the impact of the school to prison pipeline, uh, how to make sure we reduce recidivism uh, in our community and give people equal access to education and workforce development opportunities. Uh, that was sponsored by the city. The Wisteria Hearst Museum is embedded um, as, a, as a city department and it's one of our city's greatest uh, treasures. Uh, we also uh, worked with Wisteria Hearst to do um, Immigrant Heritage Month as well, and so celebrating the contributions of immigrants uh, to our community over so many uh, decades. Uh, We've had outdoor uh, concerts on the lawn there. Uh, We've had art gallery openings. Um, You know, there's a a Holyoke resident, Stephen Huerta, um, who uh, is an artist, and we um, presented his work at the opening reception uh, of the Immigrant Heritage Month uh, events. And you know, I just ran into him at the uh, at the mall a couple of weeks ago, and he couldn't thank the city enough for giving him the platform to show his work for the first time in years. And he's still getting calls and emails, people wanting to buy his art, and it's only further inspired and encouraged him to continue on uh, that path. And so the fact that we as a city and with Hearst as a museum has not only helped him as an individual find his, his passion once again, uh, but we've opened up the doors where diverse people can come into the museum and feel like it's their, uh, it's their institution, it's their building.
0: When we mentioned this diversity in the activities and events and the arts and culture that define Holyoke as a place that has a lot of different sources, different identities, different ethnicities, nationalities, We are living in a city that is made by immigrants, made by diversity. And we are right now facing difficult times with the perception and ways of not only coexisting. I think we have to relearn right now how to live together because of the situations that, maybe because of the federal government infused into the whole country. Mm -hmm. So we are having issues that involve racism, that involve classism, that involve a little bit of intolerance and lack of capacity to have a civilized conversation at some times. Sadly to say that, yes, racism is real and it feels like it's happening here in the city. So what are for you, what is for you the perception of this situation going on currently and what would you do to address it?
1: When you say the situation currently, what specifically are you referring to?
0: The events that happened recently at uh, Holyoke High School, mm-hmm. uh, also the, the incident with the, with the arrest of an individual who was uh, yeah. vandalizing property in, in the Holyoke High School and also was uh, present at the City Hall. Mm-hmm. And that, th- these two separate events, triggered a lot of reactions and comments yep. and, and, and attitudes that are concerning. <laughs>
1: Yeah, absolutely, and I, I think we need to appeal to our our better angels on on these topics, and you know I think you were you were spot on in terms of a, a national climate that I think has emboldened some of these um, you know feelings in in many people, and you know issues of race and class oftentimes you know trigger particular groups of people, and it's oftentimes difficult to have honest conversations about uh, racism in our in our community, and you know. While these events are recent, you know, racism is not something new in the in the city of Holyoke. We have for decades, you know, grappled with the um, the remnants of not just slavery but discrimination and segregation in our own community. And I've always viewed my my position and uh, as how can we leverage the authority of our office to to dismantle the systems that have systematically oppressed certain groups of people in our community. And you know, that could be through, as we mentioned before, great public education, safer neighborhoods, economic opportunities for all people. It's also about deferring to those people uh, that are most impacted by racism or sexism or oppression in our communities, and uh, facil- facilitating a path forward to change uh, people's lives. Um, you know, it's been disheartening to see some of the vitriol and in language being used in response to what happened at the at the high school uh, assembly. I, I've been disappointed to see adults in our community not modeling positive, constructive behavior to our to our young people, um, and so that's been disappointing. I think we need to be really deliberate as we move forward. You know, send a message that, you know, we appreciate and respect uh, free speech. uh, But also, what we saw as a response was further indication that if we do nothing to respond or have positive conversations, then this will only get worse and further divide people in our community. You know, people know that Holyoke is a strong community, that we come together in in times of need. And I think we need to do that uh, right now, but we need to be willing to hear, you know, why people feel the way they do. And, you know, just as the poet at the high school has the right to talk about and express her perspectives, um, it's also important to hear the perspective of those students that didn't agree uh, with what uh, her perspective was. And only if we have that two-way conversation can we really bear fruit and and grow as individuals uh, and grow as people. I mean, I had... Great opportunities growing up to have a lot of these conversations about my whiteness and white privilege uh, and hearing about the experiences of other young people that I uh, grew up with. And, you know, racism doesn't just hurt, you know, communities of color, it hurts white people too. And I think we need to be willing to have that conversation. And I uh, am, you know, certainly ready to work with Dr. Reich, but most importantly, work with the citizens of Holyoke uh, to move forward on this issue.
0: Let's talk about youth right now is one of the the biggest assets in our city, considering that they are gonna be, some of them voting in this election for the very first time. And for sure, for the next election, many of them will be the new voters in the city. Mm -hmm. So this is the perfect time and opportunity to get them involved already into knowing how much power their vote and their voice has. But they also need to know who are their candidates? In part, that's the reason of this whole series of interviews to be created to give youth that priority of knowing who is who in the in the local government. So what are right now your plans for youth as you continue with the government in our city?
1: Yeah. Well, youth issues and young people again are are like any other resident or or person in Holyoke just as equal, right? So uh, young people, whether they can vote or not, are residents of our city, and they either benefit, um, and they benefit, and they're impacted by any decision we as elected officials make. And so they should have a voice. I'm a product of those organizations that provide a voice uh, for the city. Uh, As I mentioned, as as a member of the Youth Commission for uh, many years, and it's been wonderful to work hand-in-hand with the same organization that I had. The opportunity to be a part of, but uh, you know, I want young people to be part of our of our city government. As I said, we've we've gotten more young people involved, but we still have a lot more work to do. Uh, young people oftentimes volunteer; they want to be involved, but they sometimes see elected office or politics not as the ideal venue to to get things done. And so, I really want to instill in young people that. Local government matters, oftentimes a lot of intention is, is, is paid to presidential elections or who our governor is, but who our mayor is, who your ward counselor is, your city counselor, your school committee member, a lot of decisions that impact people's lives are happening on the local level. Uh, there was, a, you know, for example, a group of young people that go to Lighthouse School uh, here um, the, at the steam building. You know, came in contact with Susie Park, a park uh, behind Racing Mart, and uh, they didn't want to accept the fact that it was uh, an an empty park that hadn't been well maintained, and they thought about what they could do to improve it, right? And they came to my office and they said, "Hey, Mayor, like we really want to see this park renovated. I mean, what better example than to see young people take ownership of uh, of improving their own space, their own neighborhood?" So they came in. Uh, They eventually applied for community development block grant money, uh, allocated uh, over $100,000 to help improve the park, and they've been active in terms of designing uh, what the new park will look like. Uh, And so to go from advocacy to action as young people, many of whom can't even vote yet, was a really empowering experience for them. Uh, And so that's important. We want to continue having stories like that. Uh, but also as an administration, we've worked on, you know, as I talked about, improving the public schools and having multiple pathways to both career and vocation. Uh, we've also got hundreds of thousands of dollars every summer to employ hundreds of young people during the summer, be it at City Hall or the school department or community organizations like the Holyoke Medical Center. Businesses like Gary Rome have stepped up and hired a number of young people. uh, And the data is very clear about the earlier we can hire young people uh, in these types of positions, the more likely they are to stay engaged, to stay in high school, and be able to connect their education to their long-term goals for their career. So uh, young people, I see as any other person in our community, we want to empower, we want to involve, and we want to help educate.
0: So we are approaching to the election day, November 7th and there are still some more activities to do. There is the debate coming up, and also another one that is uh, being organized by the Holyoke Herald students, the the staff reporters at Holyoke High School. What are right now the last activities you have in, in your schedule before the election, and how can people get involved with your campaign?
1: Yeah, so it's, it's an exciting time. We have uh, 20 days until the election, and it will come uh, very quickly. Uh, so over the next 20 days, we'll continue doing what we've always done, connecting directly with the voters and the people of Holyoke. Uh, we'll be knocking on doors, uh, making uh, phone calls. Uh, but you know we can't do this alone. So we need the help of Holyoke residents that want to get involved. We need you to help us knock on doors, help us make phone calls, uh, tell your friends and your neighbors. In your family to, to vote on, on November 7th. Uh, I encourage you to go to morrisformayor.com, uh, sign up to, to volunteer. Um, you can go to our headquarters at 1548 Northampton Street, get involved, uh, make some calls, uh, and tell us how you want to help us over the next uh, 20 days. Uh, I've always said that I can't uh, win elections alone and I also can't govern alone. And the greatest asset in this city that we have is our people. Uh, And that rings true for our uh, campaign uh, as well. It's always been a grassroots effort. We've never lost sight of the fact that campaigns are about people, uh, despite the fact that we're running for uh, our fourth term. Uh, But again, it's been an honor to be your mayor over the the last six years, and I respectfully ask for your support and your vote on Tuesday, November 7th.
0: For the time you have been mayor of the city of Holyoke, what it will be some of the most gratifying experiences?
1: Most gratifying experiences, you know, this is a question where I could easily, you know, list off a number of projects that we've done or programs we've implemented. But in terms of gratifying, it's the people and the lives that we've changed through the decisions we've made. And, you know, I think about um, people like uh, Taisha, who lives at Lyman Terrace, and I met her. Uh, a few weeks ago when walking through to tour the new uh, apartments there and uh, she had um at the time she hadn't yet seen her new unit she was someone that lived in Lyman terrace with her with her five-year-old and um you know she was so excited to check out and move into her new apartment the next day she hadn't yet seen it so we brought her down um down the alley to her new apartment and we brought her inside and just to see the the tears in her eyes and the emotion about being able to have a a beautiful apartment for her and her five-year-old right outside is is the the new playground, just seeing the impact in people like Taisha and other people I've met over the last six years because of decisions we collectively as a community have made, there's nothing greater than that. And I know over the next four years, there's more people like Taisha, there's more people in our community whose lives uh, we can change. And so it's not just about numbers or data or projects, it's about the impact we've made in people's lives. And there's nothing uh, more that I would ask for.
0: Should you continue as mayor, it will be a four-year term. And with this experiences and this achievements, what it will be then the next level of priorities, challenges that you see as the ones that you want to, to take care of?
1: Yeah, so we are running for the the first four year term in the city's history, and I think that's important. Um, you know, we've been able to do a lot in six years, and we can only imagine what we what we'll be able to do together in the in the next four years. And so, you know, we're going to continue on the the positive moving path we've chartered um, in in recent years. You know, continuing to bring new business and new opportunities to our city, um, helping foster a climate where entrepreneurs and small business uh, owners uh, can thrive and expand. Uh, and become part of our, of our community. Um, our public schools will continue uh, to improve, I'm optimistic about that. Uh, and you know, I'm open to, to people's feedback. This has been a partnership, uh, as I've said, and so we'll continue with our governing philosophy of uh, bringing and inviting new people into the, the process and have a philosophy that our decision should benefit everybody in the city, not just one part of our community.
0: Any last remarks that you have for the public?
1: I just again want to thank you for the opportunity for uh, the interview and, of course, thank the voters and the people of Holyoke for their continued support over the last six years. Uh, While we've made uh, progress on a number of issues, we also recognize that there is progress still to be made in our community, and I want to work directly with those Uh, who support me, and I want to hear from those who don't as to how we can work together to improve uh, our community. But uh, please pay attention over the next uh, 20 days. Uh, Again, for more information, you can check out our website. You can visit us at our campaign office. Um, You know, It's been an honor to be uh, your mayor, and um, I look forward to continue to be your mayor no matter where you live in our community uh, or your different philosophies around uh, our government. So uh, again, thank you for the opportunity, and I look forward to talking to you in the coming weeks.
0: Thank you to Mayor Alex Morse running for re-election in this 2017 election in the city of Holyoke. And this is our series, Know Your Candidates. All this information is available on our website, radioplasma.com. And also you can listen to the interviews with other candidates in this election. Thank you again to Mayor Alex Morse for his time and his words. And this concludes our session on the Radioplasma podcast. This episode was produced and recorded at the Plasma Media Lab in the Gendara Jude Development Center in Holyoke, Mass. I'm your producer and host, Johan Vega. Thank you for listening.